When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Real quick, the things that Janet learned during that meeting, what were mm-hmm. they? <laughs> <laughs> it was mostly her asking you questions. The bandit queen also, talking. Gotta start asking more questions. Yeah. You know, when, when these characters are in front of you, feel free to ask questions and invasive ones. You know, it may be useful to you later. <laughs> Super personal, too personal. Like, ask some uncomfortable questions. How often do you wax? So we find ourselves, we've, we've done through the morning. The morning, Gable and Travis had an emotional chat and Jonet had brunch. We are now in the early noon period, just about to be afternoon. I want to know, where is your group gathered? Maybe um, Dref's office. Office, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we're supposed to be yeah. cleaning, right? And also, I feel like we probably shouldn't hang out in the captain's quarters anymore, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of where we usually just hung. Yeah. I think uh, then we start at like the small, basically porthole window that Dref had in his medical office. We can see out that window that there are more and more ships rolling into port. And some of them are actually anchored alongside Ungoni or sailing in holding patterns around it. All of these ships bear different markers and flags, but each of them shares one flag in common, and that is the flag of the Tempest Armada. There are uh, smaller vessels that are sailing in and out, bringing representatives of different ships from around the Tempest fleet. There is a long procession of people who are in wild-ass anime-style pirate costumes, each of them looks like a distinct hero of their own shonen story or perhaps a lot of, a lot cool of Naruto side character. And, and twice as long uh, <laughs> coattails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the hair is spiky as well as colorful. 
Um, just there, <laughs> there are bandanas, locks of hair, eye patches, all concealing one eye from the world because they each have heterochromatic eyes. When they reveal the other color, their powers will truly be unleashed. <laughs> There's, there's okay, um, from every, from every single ship that pulls into port, like at the same moment, there's like six different bandanas that go flying off of the side of the the <laughs> ships that just kind of flutter down to the earth because and all the like different a captains. Six way split screen, like yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh there there is the the uh people of Ungoni have have put out like a a basket that says uh free <laughs> bandana dry cleaning on it. Uh that's a service <laughs> that they just offer. And then there's like a harder than appropriate rock band on every single ship <laughs> supplying the theme music. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And it's always sunset. Um, they're they're <laughs> There are one or two ships that are doing slow, contemplative J-pop songs as their episode have just ended with them arriving yes. at Anthony. But yeah, we we take all that in from the tiny, tiny window uh, that, that Drive had in his medical quarters. And we we can see the captain's council or the captain's council plus Travis Madigo uh, sort of milling around in this area. You said cleaning? What's everyone doing? I guess sorting through some more of Dref's stuff. And John, it probably has maybe another book that he's maybe leafing through and probably like mid-conversation just like, and she is somewhere out there with the Tempest Armada. She could be on one of these ships right now. My sister. And... It, it, it's just it's just one of the she needs to find her own thing. All right. And and this is my thing. And he's oh, he's, okay. he's got okay. he's got maybe like one of the 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 older notebooks from Dref and it's like barely held together as is and he's just kind of gesticulating very wildly with it and if, and if i that. if i this the skies are mine the skies are mine well, this is Johnny's well, sky what else is there <laughs> there's land and there's sky and if she already did land and didn't like it that's i, just, I mean she didn't, do, she didn't do land she didn't do land Mm, interesting. Travis, I'm noticing maybe this is their sibling dynamic and we're only just learning about it ourselves. How old is your sister? Oh, shit. Uh, 69. Did we decide if she was older or younger? Oh, my God. This is going to ripple. So the sibling dynamic that you have been playing it sounds like she is younger younger, but close to you in age like if if, like you're constantly worried about her having to do her own thing or she could honestly be a year older than you too and you're you've been living in her shadow a little bit trying to find your own way like i both of those i kind of see it's it's close no matter what i mean i like the idea that jonnet is trying to protect a sister that is older than him and truly does not need his protection. Um, mm. And then in doing that, like becomes weirdly possessive about the sky. I think that's just like a weird character flaw, but I, Oh God, 
I feel like it's younger. I feel like at some point I may have said younger, but I want to go with older because of that. That's a f- more fun thing to play, I think. And if uh, anyone okay. who's listening, sue me. No, yeah, we yeah. have to pay Here's the Patreon thing. money back. <laughs> if you've got if you've got a problem with us changing it from a younger sister to now an older sister, I think you can suck eggs <laughs> is what we're learning. Because uh, uh, Tyler gets what Tyler wants. Uh, so, yeah. Well, Travis, let's list all of Jonnet's accomplishments. So that way Jonnet can feel, even though his sister may be following a similar path, Jonnet is on his own path with his own uh, pursuits and goals and adventures. For example, Jonnet has another eye. Bet your sister doesn't have that. Yeah. That's that's 50% more eyes. That's impressive. I, I, I know. I know. It's just she's kind of really good at a lot of stuff that she does. And it, it's kind of, it's natural, all right? And 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 I, I found some things that I'm good at, okay? But, and, and I just, I just want there to be a clear distinction of her lane and my lane. Understandable, understandable. Well, how many bandanas does she have? Ooh. Probably she none. Everyone threw theirs over she the makes side. Her own. She, she makes her own scarves, and they're beautiful, and she sells them. And Jonnet, is your bandana made by your sister? Oh, no. <laughs> 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 and in that, when Travis asks how many bandanas does she have, Jonnet looks up to his eye and then looks down, kind of shakes it off, and then is like, no, she makes her own whatever. Okay, well, I bet she can't even read a map, you mm. know? Yeah, doesn't even, well, she also is kind of star watching on this new ship, so she's probably oh. learning, and she's probably doing it fast. She's a very quick learner. Oh. <laughs> the more you talk about her, it seems as if there's a, quite a few similarities that are kind of inseparable from each other. It's almost as if you were, like, the exact same story was happening just in a different place. I don't know. I haven't seen her. Does she, does she have a parent or guardian who can change into animals? I don't know. I don't. I haven't. I haven't seen her. And it's almost as if I, I'm half expecting some sort of inverted uhurus type situation when we do finally meet them in the ship. And a, I don't and know. a ruhu. And a <laughs> End of episode. I would like to draw a luminary to to see what like things people are finding as they are cleaning here. I got let's see. Ooh, the drought, misfortune, scarcity, and desperation. As you are cleaning Dreft's things, what kind of unfortunate thing falls out or rolls out of his possessions? Dreff was, I mean, Dreff was familiar with the cutting stone before all of this happened. Like he was 
Oh, yeah. Ba- kind of baffled by it in the moment, but like he knew of it. I feel like maybe there's like a page or two that fall from maybe like this worn journal that when looking at it, it's dressed handwriting, but it is visibly like distressed and and frantically written. And it probably like we probably see like cuts of like close up words and scribbles and like cutting stone or something. I don't know, something to that effect. Ooh, I think actually this is a journal that originally belonged to Dreff's mentor, Dreff's teacher. The person at the university who slowly lured him in and introduced him to medical necromancy as as a possibility. And this page is annotated with Dreff's handwriting. So there is kind of that frantic and fearful handwriting in an unfamiliar hand going on about the cutting stone. And it's so much to take in. There's a lot of frantic handwriting and the lines aren't clear here. They kind of swirl around the page a little bit. There are also some rough sketches of different things. There's one kind of like dark ink and charcoal sketch that Travis will find extremely familiar that looks like many, many points of light in a world of utter darkness that have a hungry and leering quality to them. And the reason Travis finds it familiar is that is the vision that you had when you touched the angel feather all the way back in like episode 11 or whatever. Oh, I don't care for this. (laughs) So put it away. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, maybe we should give it a look over. I don't know. I've already seen it once, and I don't need to see it again. Okay. Uh, do you mind if? And then he kind of just like goes to like put it in his pocket. If Dreff thought it was important, maybe it's important. I'm sure it is. Well, Dreff thought all kinds of weird things were important. Travis says that while holding, like, what bizarre tchotchke does Dreff have? Like, (laughs) there's got to be, like, basically, this is some sort of weird comedy prop that Dreff has always had in the background of, like, the set of his room that we've never explained and people keep speculating about (laughs) on the forums. Travis is pulling... A bunch of scarves like tied together out of a drawer. And then like as he says that line, there's a pair of boxers with hearts on them. And then he just like keeps pulling. I I imagine that there was like a couple months where Dreff was trying to patch Adams because someone told him that his bedside manner was so bad. Oh, yes. Wow. (gasps) Oh, my God. I'm trying to be uh, gentle and funny. Are you... (laughs) Would you like Laughter me to is wear a rubber the, nose? B- 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 best medicine. <laughs> There's like googly behind eyes that... this actual medicine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yes. There's like a pair of like googly eyes that kind of like. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yes, yeah. The, the Tyler Tyler was miming those glasses that have like the eyes with the springs yeah. on them. But because this is like a fantasy sort of pirate universe, the device that allows them to do that has to be a lot more rudimentary and therefore horrifying. They're crinky. <laughs> They're, steep. They're too realistic. 
with that, there is a tapping at the window. Huh? Oh, don't don't open it because this is a character from a different ship. They're searching for a philosopher's stone, and then this is <laughs> this is going to go on for like three different episodes. And so if we just ignore it, we can skip it entirely. Uh, You can see a black raven outside that has like kind of hitched its feet onto the ledge of this little porthole window. It is a very large raven, (gasps) like maybe, you know, almost twice as big as Travis would be in his raven form. And it, it's flapping its wings and awkwardly trying to maneuver its head to the window, you know, moving its head back and forth, trying to peer inside. You can see that there is a green velvet collar around its neck, and it's eyeing the room up and down and periodically turning to the window and pecking its beak against it. And of course, there is a small missive tied to one of its feet. Is a broker bird? Is it a broker well, bird? There's only one way to f- there's only one way to find out, and that's to interact with it. And then if it drops dead once we're done, then yes, it was probably a broker bird. <laughs> I'm excited, but also worried about the bird. And then he opens the window. <laughs> so the bird kind of flaps a bit, and you know, squeezes through the window into the room sits on the desk and lifts up his leg, uh, sort of presenting it to the room. Thank you, kind sir. I love your collar. All right. Uh, The bird puffs up a little bit at that. I think everybody, Jonnet is now holding his breath to see what happens. And the bird's still alive. (laughs) The bird's still alive. (laughs) We read it. There's a monogram on it that you recognize as the flag of the glass, which is uh, one of the ships that pulled into port. Notably, you remember because your good friend, uh, Ku Cullen, was on that ship. That mean man! Uh, There is very rough handwriting, again, in a green ink, and it says... Urgent meeting needed under captain's orders. Please come to, they mentioned like some location in Ungoni at your earliest convenience. And it's signed Ku. One thing that is notable about this handwriting is it looks almost like a child's handwriting. Like whatever person wrote this clearly did not care for learning their letters and there are misspellings abound. Is he asked, "Who's captain orders? Which, which one? Our our captain or gl- glass captain? Which captain?" <laughs> Liz, keep orders. asking oh, and this it- question, but do it slower. <laughs> huh, <do>, cap- <laughs> going, which? Oh, you're talking to the bird. I see. No, um. I'm talking to me. <laughs> 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 trying to piece it together in my brain. Uh, oh, I think uh, a thing that I'm going to decide for this bird, uh, because my dog does it, as you're sort of like idly in the room reading the letter, the bird like hops its way over to Gable and sort of maneuvers its beak and head under Gable's hand for pets. Oh. So it just sort of like insinuates uh-huh. itself in there, uh, recognizing a bird lover. Gable gives pets for sure. Mm-hmm. 
I think after a few minutes of pets while Gable is like stumbling through the thought of there being two captains, like we can see a little bit of Gable's mind palace of like, you know, there are grids in there and uh, equations and like two captains swirling around each other while they idly pet a bird. Uh, the bird eventually decides it's good on pets, squeezes itself through the window and uh, flies out once more. It's honestly kind of jarring to see a bird deliver a message and stay alive. Right? It's happened yeah. too, too much. Sometimes I forget that that's something that they don't have to do. <laughs> <laughs> so this well, is the main man who we don't like. That applies to most people. That's true. But he was particularly nasty to us in like a fun-loving way, in a cool audience favorite sort of way, but still very mean to us. <laughs> So I guess the question is, do we give the audience what they want and interact with him? Or do we throw this message out the window and keep on cleaning this room? (laughs) The the question I was trying to posit is that are we supposed to be bringing the captain to this meeting? Or is it that our captain is telling us to go there? Or the captain of the glass is telling us to go there? Oh, I'm unclear. Yeah, I, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it now. I guess my thought was we go there at their captain's request. Okay, okay. Well, I don't have anything on my calendar. I'm pretty booked, but you're I think s- I can. You're a snake right now. What, you, what, 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 what do you, you got going what, on? Oh, do snakes not have calendars? Not- the scene of. Travis pulling the scarves and boxers out of a drawer is way weirder now (laughs) than I think about the fact that he was a snake that whole time. (laughs) Um, Well, he, we've already established that there are pulleys and whatnot around. (laughs) (laughs) The scarf pulley, yes. (laughs) I mean, I've got a date with Destiny a little bit later, but I'm free right now. I'm gonna learn to. I'm gonna what? learn to glide. I'm gonna learn to glide. Oh, okay. A little bit later, it's gonna be super dope. It's a fun way. To- <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it does occur to you, Jonnet, that that is scheduled at the same time as as this big important meeting. You might need the captain's permission to do that instead of meet. You are on the captain's council. Oh, Jonathan, this is a great opportunity for us to prepare for your doubtfire. <laughs> we could shower. <laughs> shower you with gifts. I don't know why I said And we, we can pick out some outfits. <laughs> we can do a montage. Okay, a montage. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Well, I'm super down to doubtfire. 100%. But... Should I let the captain know that I'm planning on doubtfiring or do I just doubtfire? Does someone schedule a doubtfire or do you just doubtfire? I've never doubtfired before. I'm so nervous. The thing about doing a doubtfire is you can't tell anyone. (gasps) Oh, no. And for no reason either. (laughs) Right. That's the thing. It must be. Because people will probably be fine with it. (laughs) Just tell them that you have plans. Hey, 
heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Sorry that we had to delay this episode a little bit, but I just don't like it when Casey stays up too late to edit. The man needs his sleep. In the next couple weeks, we're going to be taking some steps to try and help improve Casey's workflow, and that involves giving him a little time off. We're going to fill that time with one of the rewards we have left over from the end of the year drive at World Builders, and that is all my fantasy skyjacks. Jeff Stormer and Aaron Catano Saez are going to be joining me to build parts of Sphere live for you on recording. So I guess not live. Whatever. That's not going to be next week, but it is going to be coming up soon. Those episodes will fill in some juicy lore details for the world, and it will give our dear Casey Tony a chance to get some rest and get ahead on work. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but that's why we're going to be doing two weeks instead of one. Another note, this episode we are joined by a guest. Uh, You didn't hear him earlier on in the episode because we've actually had him at the last three recordings with me thinking that he was going to join us, but the cast always just falling short of his scene. And that guest is none other than Drew Merzieski, host of Skyjack's Courier's Call. If you haven't already, I really recommend you go check out Drew's work over at Courier's Call. They are doing some incredible things in the world of Sphere. And also, frankly, you can learn stuff about the world that we haven't addressed in the main series yet. But no matter what, I hope you enjoyed Drew's performance. It was so much fun having him on, and we really appreciate it. Also, if you like Drew, you can check him out on his other actual play show, A Night of Shreds and Patches. Or support him and Allie Grower over at patreon.com slash whimsy and artifice. A huge thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Without you, we wouldn't be able to do things like pay someone to sit in on our sessions for three sessions in a row, even if they don't get a chance to contribute. Which probably isn't the wisest way to spend some of that money, but it is helping keep someone employed during COVID, so I think it evens out in the end. Coming up this Friday, we've got the final part of our conversation with Pat Rothfuss and Drew Merzieski about the first season of Courier's Call, which is a great conversation to listen to if you're into Skyjacks just generally. And, you know, it would be a weird first contact with Courier's Call, but, you know, give it a shot. Finally, before we get back to the episode, I want to remind everyone that very soon we will be in Jonnet Week. March 8th through the 14th, fans of the Skyjacks podcast have put together a wonderful fan project to celebrate everyone's favorite 15-year-old Sky Pirate. There's going to be fan art, fan fiction, and all sorts of cool fan works. And if you want to get involved, all you have to do is head to johnnetweek.tumblr.com or follow them on Twitter over at johnnetweek, J-O-N-N-I-T, week. Now with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Okay. All right. Well, then All right. we're going to need a foolproof disguise that uh-huh. I'm going to be able to quick change in and out of rapidly, yes. multiple times. But both are you. Both but are both still are... you. You are not different people. Right. Okay. That's great. crucial. Yes. That's crucial. I, sorry. At one point, I thought I was might be British, but no. Great. If you <laughs> okay, I like where your head's at. But both people, both <laughs> parties choice. have seen me, and I was not British when we started, so it'd be it'd be more weird now. Okay, all right. Well, then I need something. I need something light and something that I can move in, because when I'm gliding, I want to be nimble. That's smart. That's smart. How about I'm thinking breakaway me... sleeves. Oh, 
Yes. You have to make sure you have a storage for the sleeves. Otherwise, you'll lose the sleeves, and then you just have a sleeveless shirt. Okay, great, great. Gable, that's why you're on that's why you're on the team. Okay, what if Thank you. I I got my bag, I got my bag, I rip the sleeves off and then I put them in the bag. Uh-huh. And then when I'm done, yeah. then I can just slip them back on. Okay. Uh, Is Velcro a thing in this sleeves? world? <laughs> Let's say yes. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> uh I don't think so, I folks. Think so. I think so, yeah. I'm... Wow, what no. I Hang think, on, can we roll yes. for Velcro? It can be it can be a daunting right, roll, but I want to roll for Velcro. <laughs> We're gonna pull a luminary. Right. We'll pull a luminary. You tell for my Velcro. tennis shoes I don't have Velcro. <laughs> I think Velcro exists, but it is made from animal parts. Mm. I see, I was thinking plant parts because I was burrs. thinking you could mm. take like burrs. Yeah, it would just need to be it would be a very difficult thing to construct. <laughs> uh you know what? Fine, you get Velcro yeah. again. They're very specialized. It's a very specialized plant. Uh, it's very difficult to make, but like Velcro can exist. We right. also have TVs <laughs> <laughs> and basic cable. <laughs> Just basic cable, though. <laughs> Just basic. Okay, well, if it's only basic cable. I have a water pick from my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> there's a Comedy Central marathon of Mad TV on. Uh, so there's Always. just this procession of racist caricatures. Oh, uh, just sort of like constant. Look, I'm not, I don't care about the Mad TV marathon. I'm waiting until 10 p.m. when my, my uh, Dane Cook special comes on. <laughs> you, you know I love that hour-long Comedy Central Presents block. <laughs> Oh, God. Dane Cook exists, but he's a talking dog. <laughs> great Dane Cook. Not great Dane Cook. <laughs> I am into great End Dane Cook. episode number two. I was Let's not on. Great Dane Cook. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want uh, a, a very quick montage of different Jonnet looks for the doubt firing, you know, so we can get what everybody nods or shakes their head at. Okay. Uh, well, um, I think he he definitely comes out as Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. And Gable yeah, yeah. and Travis both just shake, shake their head. Mm-hmm. Big far. shake of their head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why this was my first choice. <laughs> and he goes back out and he comes out... Um, He's in a full suit of armor <laughs> for like uh, jousting the, the, the normal their horse chin jousting. Like maybe. And then <laughs> he pulls up the face mask on the the helmet, and he's clearly sweating head to toe. And he's like, <laughs> "No, no!" And then he leaves. Um, head. Yeah, it's one thing that Jonathan said is, "I want to be nimble," and does try on the full suit of armor. Good. <laughs> um, he comes back. He's got very much got that one of the anime like half jacket, all coattails, <laughs> mm. um, and he's kind of he doesn't know what to do with the super long coattail, so he like throws it over his shoulder like a scarf, and he's like ah, mm, ah. Mm. and then he leaves, and he comes back with a modest kind of nicer long sleeve shirt. He's got his bandana and poses for a half second. Uh, uh, and then he gives everybody like the wait a minute, and then he he reaches for both sides of his his sleeves, and he rips them off, and oh. and then he stubs them in the bag, and he's like, ha! Big thumbs right. up. 
Yeah. Yeah. They applaud. Right. Applause. And then they cheers their uh, champagne that they've Our been champagne. drinking this whole <laughs> and time. And the big hats that we're wearing mm-hmm. that we just found. <laughs> it's very important to me, Johnny, to note you did mention applauding, and Travis is a snake. So I just want to know. I, I can see how the champagne works. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I think that, you know. He slaps his middle chicken. <laughs> yeah. He's, it's like the back end of the tail just kind of hitting the middle of the body. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's precedent in some media. You know, like, I don't know when we're going to run out of steam on this. Well, what is it like as a snake game? But for now, I'm loving every minute of it. With that... I'm going to have us cut over to a a shot of the location that you were requested to meet. Oh, wait, real um, quick. Oh, and then yes. uh, right at the very end, as they're kind of like exiting the dressing room of the Uhuru, Jonnet looks down and sees like a pair of red Coke bottle sunglasses. Oh. And is like, oh, this screen, oh, yeah, glider, and then yeah, that's that's his, that's that. <laughs> that rules. That I, absolutely rules. I love that. I have Jonnet's doubtfire dra- is just like regular Jonnet and sleeveless Jonnet. <laughs> <laughs> like those are the two choices: oh, the, anime like, Jonnet and more like, anime Jonnet. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> That that's good stuff. I mean, the hair between I am on the captain's council of a notorious pirate ship and I am hanging out with cool, cool teens tonight. Those are very close mm-hmm. in in terms of of style <laughs> and formality. So I, I would like to cut us to the location that the crew of the glass has requested uh, that you meet them, and for that. I would like our guest Drew to describe. Um, Wait, real quick, real quick. Uh, First, we go to the bathroom of the ship uh, where we all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to take about 45 minutes. And each, each, each. Yes, yeah, uh huh, uh huh. Uh, Bathroom Barry immediately stops Mm -hmm, you. Because he's been working on a musical and he's got to try out his first opening number. quartermaster right now and he's also bathroom barry and also working on a musical oh, yeah this he's man got life when he's not on screen <laughs> <laughs> most confident person on the boat i'm so i'm so curious what what's about what's the rising you're gonna action? have to wait till opening you? night oh, you're gonna have to no. wait till, he's got some great talent in the lead <laughs> Can't be you're in town. Could be you're in town. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, Drew, what what does this area look like? Hmm. I imagine it's on the docks. Okay. There is a small pub on the docks. It is actually. I feel like there's a bunch of berths, a bunch of places where the ships kind of pull themselves into. And this pub is out on a jetty, 
just kind of hanging out at the very edge. Oh, it must be like kind of a pop-up place. Yeah. Like when the docks are super populated. Because earlier, I think one of the issues that we were dealing with is that there wasn't a place for the crew to go unwind in Ungoni. And that's why the whole Jolly Jack negotiation happened. But if they like put up this temporary bar when the docks are just full of ships, like that makes absolute sense. Yeah, it's like... It's one of those pop-up places that's mostly tent. It's not like a like an edifice that's been built there. It's like tents and awnings that have been put up and like makeshift seats. It's hopping right now. There's a ton of people in here. I think it's mostly the crew of the glass is in here. Oh, I think they're going to get stopped right before they go in. Yeah, uh, like so as you can you, see it in the distance, just hopping. Yeah, you you can you see like all of these pirates, like so many anime people mingling in and out of these tents, these different sections, and in front of them, you can see Ku Cullen, who again is this kind of androgynous-looking person who is absolutely yoked, just bulging with muscle, covered in woad tattoos. He's got dark red hair, but in the front he has this patch of like rainbow highlights. His hair has been like pulled back into a ponytail with still some like loose strands on the side because like you can only contain his wildness so much. He looks pretty uncomfortable right now because he's been made to wear a shirt, it looks like. He's constantly like tugging at it and and pulling at it like there is still like a wide deep v to it but like every part of it looks like he is uncomfortable with and he is wearing a kilt too these are clearly his sunday best clothes if you will He's got a rather large and impressive sphere that is like slung along his his back. He's kind of like nervously sort of tugging at that as well. Eventually, he sees your group approaching and he does a quick wave and runs right up to you. Uh, oh, uh, hi. Uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you for coming. Uh, uh, you didn't have to. Definitely appreciate that you did. What well, is everything all right? You're looking more nervous and dressed than the last time we've seen you. Hey, well, uh, I'm in a wee bit of trouble, so uh, 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 I am here to give to you an apology uh, for my behavior. So, um, this is not it. This isn't it. Uh, there's like a whole thing. I've got to do it in front of a captain. Uh, he feels bad. He feels quite bad about the whole situation. I, I told him about it and I thought, oh, this will be a bit of a laugh. And he was a wee bit uh, mad, I'd say, across perhaps. Uh, and so uh, I had to write a letter to you uh, to invite you here uh, to, to say, I'm sorry, but again, this is not it. This is not it. I have to do it in front of my captain. Uh, there is a slight wrinkle uh, that I'd like to talk to you about a little bit. Uh, captain. Captain's a great man. Great man. Stand up man. Look up to him. Basically raised me. Uh, great guy. 
Uh, he has a condition that he's a bit sensitive about. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Uh, and he's in one of uh, what we gently call on the ship, has periods of affliction, uh, as they were okay. right now. Uh, and, you know, we've got the meeting tonight. Uh, he should be fine by tonight, but right now, uh, he's, he's not himself, uh, as it were, and this is obviously a situation where we owe you an apology, but seeing as how we're in a bit of a diplomatic scenario, I didn't want, uh, there to be any sort of, uh, misunderstandings or mentioning of Captain's condition while we're in the meeting because I think that would just make it uh, a lot more awkward for everyone. Uh-huh. 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 I find your cryptic so, nature to be both uh, intriguing and familiar. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. That's So, uh, I'm gonna... We're running out of time because everyone's gonna have to get ready for the You're meeting You're the one tonight. over here uh, qualifying... Come on. No, I know, I know. I'm so bad at this. I I want to tease you so bad. You're just such a teen and you take things so seriously and it, it's, it's hard to keep in. You gotta it? reel it back. You gotta reel it back. Otherwise yeah. you're gonna be here yeah. all day. Yeah. I, yeah, I, we got things I, to do. So, okay, just we're gonna lead the captain out. You'll know when he's getting let out. Everyone's gonna make a big deal of it, I uh let out? Well, I mean, lead him out because oh. you're gonna you're I'll gonna lead. meet the rest of the crew okay. Okay. in okay. there. Uh, you know, we'll give you your drinks. Uh, we'll lead him out, and you'll greet him, and then we'll be able to issue the apology and put all this behind us. Uh, just please act like it's normal. Act like it's normal. Okay. All right. I think we're cool. Yes. We're chill. We we have a tremendous capacity for treating. Unusual things as every day. That's a lovely snake. Yes, oh, it me? is. Let's m- keep moving. <laughs> well, thank you. I <laughs> tend to agree. <laughs> Gable puts two hands over his head. Ku <laughs> <laughs> turns and leads you into, like, I imagine there's a private sort of tented area. And Drew, please, please describe this room. So I feel like there's a very large pavilion and small satellite pavilions that have come up around it. And I also imagine that there's nets that are underneath this, this whole thing that kind of, because people will get drunk and fall off. Oh, yeah. And uh, they land to the net. So every so often as you guys are coming up, there's a, there's somebody who just leans over and falls over got another into net. the net. <laughs> And everybody laughs and points at them as they have to, like, crawl their way out. Uh, but one of these satellite pavilions, as you guys get close to it, it's full of people. It's full of crew of the glass. They're all kind of wearing their best coats and breeches. And some of them are in, like, Irish, like, they're called tams. They're, like, bonnets that kind of go off to the side. They're beanies, basically. Mm. And the other thing you notice is that they're all wearing flowers. They have, like, flower garlands or flowers in their hair or, like, braided in their beards or in their hair. And everyone's just having a great time. They're singing songs. As you guys come in, everyone's like, 
Ding! As they like look at at Ku and you guys, you guys are ushered uh, quite quickly through this line as they're like singing songs and dancing with you guys as they bring you to a table that is set for you guys. In this procession, you get each handed big mugs of ale are basically shoved into Gable and Jonnet's hands. There are flowers being thrown up in the air. And the crowd of people, I, I think, quickly moves to the side to create basically like a walkway in front of your table. Ku quickly runs out to fan in with the captain's council of the glass. You can see Ku is like close to the end of the line. At the top of the line, we have, did we, who's the quartermaster? That's, that's Bodica. Okay. Please describe Bodica for us, Drew. So the first person that comes in is uh, a woman, probably like six foot five, six foot six, big woman, broad shouldered. She's got her sleeves like rolled up so you can see she's got massive forearms. Uh, her hair is this blonde that's been braided in like a hundred different braids together that have flowers through it. And she's wearing like a really nice short coat and like an under jerkin on that with britches, but she's barefoot completely. The other thing you notice is that on her face, she's got war makeup on, like half of her face is, is painted green. And there's like a design put through like, so from nose up is green and from, from nose down is just regular. And she comes in and the crew's like, Bodica. Bodica, Bodica. Um, and they're like, ah, she comes in and like, she picks up two people together and like hugs them and then throws them off. And they're like, yeah. Uh, behind her slinking into the room in procession, there is a woman who, you know, it's, it's hard to determine her age, but she is much, much shorter. She is like maybe five, four, five, three. She has wild hair. It is pitch black and you know it, it, it's one of those situations where this is either someone has just rolled out of bed or someone has spent three hours teasing their hair to get it just so but it is this wild shock of braids and thick black strands that are sticking up at different ends she too is wearing makeup she's got like dark eyeliner and lines running up and down her face she is in a dark black dress that looks like it has bright green cords that are holding it together. She has her nails painted a dark black and her fingers look like they are either with tattoos or dyed to be dark and black against her pale skin. There is less fanfare and chanting for this one. There's like kind of a respectful silence. Some nervous crew members shove each other until Ku calls from the back. I that's Morgan. She'd be Star Watcher. She looks the table and winks at uh, we'll say Gable. Because uh, Travis is a snake currently. She like gets on the opposite side of Bodica in this procession. And I think what happens now is um, the hurdy-gurdies begin to play. Oh, no. 
<laughs> and, yeah, dude. And uh, the crew kind of silences down, and in comes uh, a girl, about 14 years old. Obviously, she's a part of the crew. She's got like flowers as well, but she looks like she's worn. She's like a kid on the on the boat. She's got like a like a slouch cap on as she comes on. She's got a basket full of flowers that she's like throwing out as she begins this procession. And uh, she comes all the way down and she gets to you guys' table and she like bows very graciously and like throws flowers over you guys and then moves over to the side. And then in comes a man, probably a man like red hair, doesn't really matter. What he's holding is a rope and he moves to the side and in comes the captain and the captain is a pig. He is reddish in color and like furry. He's big. He's a, it's a big, big pig. And he's got like a cape. He's got, no, he's got like a coat that's been laid over the top of him um, and like a flower garland around his, his neck. And as he, the man reaches down and like unhooks like the, the rope and the, the pig moves in. You see that his hooves are polished and that uh, there's obviously like, like woad war paint painted on his snout as he comes on in. His, his tuft of hair off the top of it has been quaffed and, and like moved to the side in an artistic way. And as he moves down towards you guys, the crew takes their caps off. And hats, and they're like, Captain, hey, Captain, Captain. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody takes their hats off their head, and like, I think a couple of them take a knee, or actually, yeah, the crowd like slowly takes a knee around as the the captain gets led through. At which point, Koo kind of emerges from the back of the crowd. Koo ha- has a cap as well that like he clearly didn't put on until all of this started, and he just like snatches it off his head now and shakes his hair free a little bit because he feels more comfortable with that. And he's like carrying his hat in both of his hands, kind of nervously, and and scrunching it with his fingers as he goes. As he stands in front of you guys, like next to the captain, and he like kind of looks down at the pig. And the pig looks back at him and, you know, sure, like animals are difficult, right? They don't work the way humans do. But if a pig could look stern, it is this one. It sort of (laughs) shoots a glance back and like, coo this very powerful, very strong man with this wild spear slung across his back shrinks like a flower. Um, <laughs> and he like sort of drifts down. All right. So um, I'm sorry. Uh, I was not conducting myself in the way that a man should. Uh, uh in front of a group uh, such as this. Um, these are the Captain's Council of the Uhuru. We have John Kessler, the Star Watcher, a teen. And uh, there's a, oh, it's a teen. <laughs> yes, I am a teen. And we have Gable. No last, last name. No, no, you don't need to, just the one. Gable Mononym. Um, 
who's who's the helms person um and this crew took down the civility uh, uh amongst other accomplishments alongside Ormar Vale and I was a bit of a shit. <laughs> and the, I, I the think rest of the, the crew, pig, there's a moment where the rest of the crew all echo, bit of a shit. The pig drifts its snout over and grabs the bottom of Ku's kilt and like tugs on it a little bit. Ku like steps back and like swats the kilt away. All right, a, a rather large shit. Just a huge pile of absolute shite. And I would like to offer you an apology, not just on my own behalf, but on behalf of our captain, Brian. Brian. The pig kind of sits down and kind of truffles, like uh, snorts about a little bit and then looks expectedly at Koo. Oh, uh, hmm. Yes, uh, would you like to accept our apology and after that we can all be mates and go on to do this big meeting tonight and be fine together? Jonnet lets the Gable does a hang. sidebar with Jonnet. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> oh no, <laughs> we're, we're gonna let it hang and then we kind of do a sidebar together, just mm-hmm. like, so the captain's not talking. Yeah, big captain. Yeah, captain's a pig. Pig captain. Well, that's not, not. That's it's not, not so weird. Yeah, no, it's not a change. Talking. I kind of like it. Yeah, so it's, it's a different dope. thing. I think it's a different. I think it's it's fine. But also, uh-huh. I just want everyone to be like, oh, we're all on the same page. It's like this is unusual, but it's not that bad, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're. Yeah, we can all right. I don't know I what you're. I'm a I, snake. See, when uh, he said the captain had affliction, I thought he was going to be like a, a pilot goo. Yeah, I thought With he had organ. like why is that? Eczema. Why is that less weird? A pilot goo? Well, that's yes. Like pig is a thing that exists. Pilot goo with that's sentient with or You want a uh, you want a pile of goo? I'll get you a pile of goo. Give me twenty Can, minutes. I'll get you a pile of goo. What is I don't that want threat? Your pile of goo. What is that even? What is that even <laughs> as a threat, Travis? <laughs> I'm just saying. Where do you have access to goo? Are you going to make the goo? Or are you going to procure the goo? I've got a guy. A goo guy? Who, who's uh, the guy? You got a goo guy? tries is trying desperately to make eye contact with y'all and mouthing, pretend it's normal. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yes, it's uh, we uh, are, are we all good? Are we all good? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Yes, we I've been good the whole time. Accept your apology. Thank you. The end. Uh, <laughs> the crew erupts in a yay. Wait, wait, it's not official yet, is it? Oh. <laughs> Koo turns to the captain. The captain looks at all of you, turns around, and you see um, their squiggly little tail, <laughs> and then just stands there. And there's a, a long pause where someone goes, you have to kiss the ring. Why, oh, someone's got to kiss the ring? You have to kiss the ring. Someone up. One of us has to? We didn't do anything wrong. Is this is an honor pig. or a punishment. Is the pig wearing we got, a ring? No, we, uh, on the tail, there is a gilded ring. A butt ring. Many, many jewels. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, so we return once again to the long line of prospective applicants in front of the skyship Uhuru. Uh, we see a young man uh, walk off the line. He looks to be a moderately overweight, uh, about 19 years old, and he has got long, dark, curly hair uh, and very wide, expressive eyes. He sort of nervously shuffles over to the the table and places down a a headshot resume in front of Travis specifically and goes to sit on the stool. Um, Okay, please state your name. Uh, My name, my name is Barry, but you can call me Raz. Why would I do that? Oh, well, my my last name is Rasputin, but I prefer something fun. Okay. Okay. Hey, Raz. Welcome, uh, welcome to uh, the ship. Uh, what is your current occupation, and what are you vying for? Uh, well, I'm kind of making my way out of. Well, let's call it a cult, um, and I'm, I want to explore the world outside and and really see what's possible. I, I come from a very very religious family, and have recently come to understand some things about myself. And I feel like piracy might suit my lifestyle better than mm. being in the cult. Um, and why? This is going to sound maybe. Not as rude as I would like it to, but why me? Hmm? Why me? Why did you give it to me, the headshot and resume? Oh, I just put them on the table. I didn't give them to you. I mean, if you're implying a connection between us, I'm willing to explore that for well, sure. No, you. Ju- it was just a very deliberate choice. I mean, you brought up the connection. There's a big table here. I just put my headshot and resume down there. And all of a sudden, I'm sensing some vibes from you. And, you know, I'm receptive to those no. vibes. And we mm-hmm. can explore what mm-hmm. those vibes might mean. Well, also, and, uh, when you walked you know, up to the table, you walked past Gable, past me, past the captain, walked back to Gable, hmm? then past Gable again, and then went to Travis. You specifically saw I, Travis. Who's and to say I, what did or didn't happen? We, we, we saw, saw. I did see it. <laughs> and I'm at a different table. <laughs> because I, I did have a even want to about do this. that. Why is he part of it, actually, now that I, I think of it? You know, I've kind of decided that my role is to be sort of less involved in the actual process and more just uh, providing sort of uh, <laughs> biting commentary as I see fit. Oh, that's like And I think show, it would be huh? v- I would be very <laughs> good in that kind <laughs> of role. Uh, being sort of very critical of, of things as they go mm-hmm. on and, you know, uh, delivering one-liners. Mm. No. So are, are you coming for Travis's spot? No, I just I feel like we would be a good uh, a, a good pair. Maybe I could be a Statler to his Waldorf. What? Huh. <sighs> well, here's the thing: we don't the the crew is already uh, mad enough at Travis in any given day, 
And I think having two Travises, two Travi, two Travis, uh, would Travises, ne- Travises, thank you, um, wouldn't necessarily Travesties. help. And at this point, we're trying to boost morale, not tank it. Yeah, mitigate some damage. Uh, wait. So, what was your full name again? My name is uh, uh, Raz, well, is, is what I would prefer to go by. That wasn't um, the question they asked. first name was Barry? Given right? name is Barry. Raspberry? Rasputin. Yes. Raspberry Rasputin. Well. Raspberry Rasputin. Ba- I mean, if you, you can put it that way. That is the most My Little Pony name. But, well, <gasps> who's a pony? No one said anyone was a pony. Uh, the way that you said that <laughs> makes me think that you might be a pony. Hmm? <laughs> did we did we stumble onto something here or I don't are think you... so. I think this is like new information that like we created and mm-hmm. it was a, okay. a void. No one's no one here was a pony ever. That's ridiculous. Mm. That's, that's ridiculous. Do you realize how you sound right now? It's okay, well, pretty okay. silly. Well. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. Hmm. Hooves? Hmm? Hooves? Do ponies have to wear horseshoes like horses wear horseshoes? No, I think they just like go to like little little rubbery, like the dolls don't have hooves. They just go straight to foot. Like elephants. <laughs> I mean real I mean real ponies. Real ponies? Yeah. Real pony hoof. I don't but think no, they but wear do, shoes. But do they yet. have shoes? Hmm. Interesting. You know, I always sort of and I've never um been involved with horses much. But a lot of people who are tend to say, Oh, the horses love it. The horses love, you know, being ridden and subjugated. And I feel like that can't be true, right? Horses can't like being sat on by people. I, I've heard that horses don't necessarily feel like registered much of the weight of a of a person. Like, huh. it's, yeah, but who told? Who was telling you that? Was it was it a person? It was or a, a person. Horse? Oh no, <laughs> you're biased yeah. because oh, you're no. a horse. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I need to talk to more horses. I need more horses in my friend group. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, and like, like, here we have an application that I think we should really consider now. Okay, but like I, w- I want you to be honest. Like, was like th- the prompt here a little bit like this might be an animal, or are you just like yes anding me to make me feel better? Hmm? He's yes anding <laughs> me to make me feel better. Oh, I hate it. I hate it when that happens. So you could say. Well, I think we should get back to the main issue. No, no, uh, no. We've flagged around it long enough. Get close, uh. close your browser tab that has horse words in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily. I a can't horse. or do that. It's a. It's it's Schrodinger's horse because until we say it's a horse, it's a horse. But it could be a bear. It could be a bunch of lizards. <laughs> well. <laughs> Look, I want to get through this bit as much as you. Look, if you're a horse, you have to tell us. Otherwise, it's equine trapment. As an uh. employer, you're legally not allowed to ask if I'm a horse. <laughs> That's a rule that I've made up. <laughs> well, if if here's the thing, 
if if you are if you're going to be a part of this crew, you, we're all we're all friends, we're all family, and what does family do? Tell their family if they're horses. So yes, yes it's the thing. If you if you want to be if you want to do it, then you gotta you gotta tell us. If you're if you're an animal legally, you have to tell us. Yeah. They they gesture to one of those uh, like decorative wooden signs uh, that you see in like vacation homes and Airbnbs that just says, "Do you always tell your family?" If, or family means telling people if you're a horse. <laughs> All right, you yeah. you've backed me into it. Uh, there's a transformation sequence as uh, Raspberry. <laughs> Uh, transforms into kind of a red and magenta pony uh, with a uh, picture of of a big raspberry on his flank on either side and just a beautiful flowing mane. Okay. See, now we know. And now we can have the actual interview. So you're a shape-shifting horse. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, mm, oh, uh, uh, I should mention, I should mention, I can only transform into a person if I've drained them entirely of their blood. Oh, yeah. that's the Rasputin mm, part. Okay. Got it. Well, there we go. Okay. Got it. I don't well, know anything about Rasputin other than it's, you know, sort of a bad man sounding name. He was like kind of a horny wizard. Yes. <laughs> Aren't they all? <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lot of them. Sure. Uh, yeah. The majority of them. Uh, well, I mean, I I'm cu- I'm curious. The, to, it, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Gable. No, I I got nothing to say. I I feel like we've reached the end of the bit. <laughs> I'm curious to see how many uh okay, so here's the thing. If you I'm going to vote yes. Okay. On the condition that you do not get to drain anyone in the crew of their blood. No more. You don't get to drain blood uh, anymore from the point of your employment. And wait, from anybody? From anyone except mortal enemies. Even if they're not a coworker? Okay. Nemesis only. All right. Nemesis only. So if we're in an engagement, like if we get in a fight with people who aren't really important, I still can't drain their blood and wear their face? Well, okay. You get to drain blood. If we are in a, if we are in combat, and we get to a point where we have weakened our enemy to the point where uh, th- we could we could pokeball them if uh, they're that weak, if we if we scream up to the heavens and say drain them, that's your cue. You fly, you you clop, clip clop in, and you drain them of their blood. I don't know where this is going. Don't say clop. Okay, don't but say clop. I. I am going to warn you that I can only remember to do four tasks at any given time. So you're going to have to choose between four different moves. What? We're mixing a lot right now. (laughs) Also, I just remembered the cult thing, which I think has a lot of larger implications for the world. We're a cult. It's fine. Yeah, everything's a cult. Was that (laughs) a chess thing? Live live long enough to join a cult or be killed by a cult. Is it a video game thing? You can only remember That's four a Pokemon things? thing. Can oh, only, it's a they Pokemon can only have four thing. moves. Okay. <laughs> I you know, guess. Well, yeah. Well, okay, so we're going to have the blood-sucking pony? Magic I'm, pony I'm hesitant simply, but only because, if, of, simply <laughs> because of the fan art implications of adding a, a pony. Um, but I suppose they're what already the in, long beard? in this world. 
We've I, maybe the can has already been opened and and it's just it's just there now and there's a pony here. <laughs> I know I've already cast my vote as a yes, and we historically we can't really we're not allowed to change our our votes. That that's, that's canon. So I'm just, please outvote I'm, me. <laughs> I'm just so scared, so deeply scared of what would happen if this pony were to meet Otto Van Von Veen. <laughs> <sighs> See, and it, the, the, it, it, it it didn't happen until you said it, and now <laughs> once again we are at Schrodinger's fan art. Until you have spoken it and have made it exist, it didn't exist before. In the same way, this is person is not a pony. I just made it that way. It could appear as anyway anything to anyone, but because we have spoken it aloud, we have made it true. Boy, this is a long one, huh? <laughs> But we're covering a lot of really important, fertile ground that I'm sure is going to matter a lot in the future. I guess. In what situation? In a situation when we stumble onto a group of religiously zealous, blood-sucking, multicolored horses that can wear the skin and face of a man. Huh. Like me, Raspberry. (laughs) All right. You know what? Do you need hay or some shit? <laughs> I prefer oats. Ugh. Oh, okay. I've got I've got sugar cubes. Mm. Those are the only sort of three things that we know that horses eat. Apples. Grass. Mm, they do eat apples. <laughs> do horses eat grass? I guess so. I think they might. What you is hay? Know. What is hay? <laughs> That's hay is grass dried. Okay. Hmm. I think. Is it? It always feels long compared to what grass is in my head. Like tall grass. Hmm. Boy. This won't end, huh? (laughs) Yeah, fun to learn how good we do in an apocalypse. (laughs) Oh, V-Bad. (laughs) V-Bad. I think think all things considered, um, we're doing okay in this one that we're living in. You know, yeah. So far, podcasting still useful. What else are you gonna do? <laughs> Could always drain the blood of a man and wear his face. I vote no on the horse. Well, that's two <laughs> against one. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you know, I stay. <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks is a One Shot Network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at Campaign Pod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like OneShot. Take it from me, heroes. The most fun way to learn about new games is to listen to them get played. Every week on OneShot, I, your host, James D'Amato, bring you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere. And it's a great way to find new games. Discover the magic of RPGs with OneShot on your favorite podcast app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. 
I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y, P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends ne'er rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky